Holly G with the Golf Insiders. Today's tour talk, one of our favorites, Bob Herrick from ESPN joining me. And Bob, uh, I think Patrick Cantley, AKA the Rally Man, uh, does it again. Rallies from a three shot deficit to beat John Rahman, Justin Thomas at the Zozo Championship. Pretty impressive win for the home state kid. No question. I mean, especially to overtake those two guys who, you know, it looked there for a while like they were going to be the ones who were battling it out. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of an advantage on him, as you said, and, and uh, you know, it was a golf course that required you to kind of shoot a low number, and while they were both under par, he was more under par. You know, great final round and, um, you know, a, a, a really, really good timing. You know, it's good, good to win any time, but it's also good to, good to get a win and have some good play and confidence going into a major like he just did. Well, he jumps to a number two in the FedEx standings, uh, his third victory on the PGA Tour. And, um, you know, some may forget because it seems like forever ago that he won at Muirfield in 2019. And, you know, I think this is when we really started paying attention to Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing about him is you wonder why he hasn't won a little bit more. Um, you know, so he, 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 his career was sort of halted there by a, by a fairly significant back problem. He did like six times in three years. Um, uh, but since he, been, since he returned and he started, and, which was a few years ago now, and he started to ramp it up, um, you know, like after he won the Memorial last year, you think, well, maybe he's going to knock off another one or two. Um, and he's there a lot. You know, he's in contention a lot. He's got a high world ranking. He's on the President's Cup team. Uh, you know, people forget he was tied for the lead briefly in the final round of the Masters last year. Um, so um, it, uh, uh, it, uh, it was it's a little bit odd that he hasn't won more. But then again, you know, it's hard to win. And, and uh, he's, uh, you know, maybe this is going to be the start of something big for him. Absolutely. Um, yeah, JT was uh, the, you know, leader of the pack on Sunday. Uh, had a one-shot lead. But um, faltered, you know, coming down those last few holes. Um, you know, he was the first to say, it just stinks when you're right there and you don't get it done. Um, you know, some key mistakes, hitting it into the hazards on consecutive holes, uh, you know, plugged it in the grass on the par 3 15th. I, I thought he was going to break his wrist trying to hit it out of there, but he, you know, hacked it out to about 30 feet and made bogey, but just, you just didn't get it done, as he said. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I guess there's a couple of ways to look at this. You know, he puts himself there a bit, and um, uh, you're not going to win every time. Uh, but uh, to your point about hitting it in the hazard a couple of times, you know, you just you're going to have a hard time winning that, winning doing that. You know, it's hard to win when you have penalty shots, and um, or you know, in in the case of. Uh, of the one on the 15th, he didn't have a penalty shot, but he didn't have a very, very good opportunity to get that up and down either. Right. You know, from where, from where that was. 
but uh, I mean, it's, you know, he he's won 13 times. It's incredible for someone who's 27. It's hard to not think, and he would be the first to admit that there's probably three or four other five times where that you know he easily could have prevailed. You know, so uh, I think it speaks to how good he is that uh, that we're sitting there saying, you know, he's he's got 13 wins. He should probably have 15, 16 by now, given the chances he's given himself. And um, you know, that was sort of an opportunity missed. You know, he played great the first two rounds, shot 65 each day. Um, and then, you know, the final day, I think he made only one birdie over the last 10 holes on, on a course with a, a bunch of par fives. Yeah, you know, playing the so par fives and just one under. Yeah, you know, and I think he was even par on the par fives on the back, which uh, that's, um, you know, that's just not going to cut it, unfortunately. Well, um, you were out at Zozo, first time, you know, you've been out at a tournament live in a while. Uh, you know, I think for fans watching at home, we're getting to see some, you know, great golf courses almost from behind the scenes, like Sherwood, uh, with, you know, out the fans and with the schedule changes and, um, you know, the PGA Tour putting some of these events at some not often seen uh, private clubs. But even Justin Thomas said, he said, it's hard to keep the killer instinct when it's so quiet. And, and you being out there, I've, I've got to imagine, you know, golf is so much momentum. And, you know, I, I just think that's got to make um, things very different for the players. I agree. I mean, for every everyone who loves this situation, I think there's a bunch who do. It makes their life easier. No fans to worry about. No traffic. They just show up and play golf. You know, but for every one of those, there's there's a JT or even a Tiger, for example, who I think is impacted by it. You know, they're used to that adrenaline rush from spectators because they, they have big crowds following them. And, you know, I followed Tiger and Phil on Sunday um, for nine holes. And, you know, even though they were way out of it, um, you know, at any other event, you know, in normal times, that would have been a huge gathering of people. And I think they would have fed off of that. Instead, you know, they're way back. They're not playing great. There's 13 people around. And, you know, there's just, it, there's just, it's not there. You know, it's, there's no buzz. And, uh, and, and I think it impacts them. I, I think it's hard not to. So, you know, this situation that we're in is, um, is obviously it's understandable why they're doing this, but, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it, I think it's worn on some guys. It's not, and it's not easy. Yeah. I would imagine, you know, just to stay focused and mentally sharp, you know, that, uh, golf is, as we know, uh, a lot goes on inside your head, uh, as an individual sport, um, but it's it's been interesting to see, um, you know, how the players have uh, responded on Sunday, especially on Sunday. Yeah, you know, it's um, he, he, as he said, Justin said, you got to find a way, and uh, um, you know, I think there's going to be instances too where it's better. Like the Masters in a couple of weeks. I think it's going to be it's going to make it easier for a guy who's not been there. 
you know. I just think that's a, that, that, that is part of winning a big tournament is dealing with all the noise. And not just the crowd noise, just, just the, you know, the intensity of the moment. And without, the, without all the people yelling and cheering and hearing cheers in other places, um, I think it, it lessens the burden a little bit on some guys. You think Molinari's hitting in the water on 12 or on 15 last year at Augusta? Um, if it's dead quiet, I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, maybe he does anyway. But, but um, you know, I, I think it impacted some of those guys. You know, I brought this one up before. We talked about it when it was the Players' Championship and they were ta- they were going to not have spectators, you know, if they would have continued. I mean, making it through 16 and 17 without that noise is a huge advantage. And so, um, you know, hopefully we're going to get back to something here one of these days. Uh, you know, they are trying, they are bringing fans back this week in Bermuda, which is a different animal, obviously. It's an island nation where they're not going to have a lot of people anyway. And then, um, and then next week in Houston will be an interesting litmus test to see how that works. So 2,000 people a day, see how that works, see how it looks, um, and see if that's something they can build on into next year. Well, we are two weeks out from the Masters, and um, there are going to be some, some changes. Uh, they're going to a 2T start because of the shorter uh, daylight. Uh, also, no par three event. Bob, can you um, fill my listeners in more about what's going on? Some of the format changes? Yeah, I was, um, I'm a little surprised by that. Um, uh, no par three. Um, I'm just wondering if it's a manpower issue or if they just feel like they're better off putting their resources into other things, you know, with all that's going on, because you'd have thought you could easily take, you could easily do that. Um, it might be that there's just going to be so, you know, there's a lot of ex champions who play in that former major winners who are invited who, who might not be coming. And maybe they felt like they were going to be putting too much pressure on the, the players in the tournament to play. It, it was odd in that it was becoming apparent for a while that they weren't going to have it, but it took them until Tuesday to announce it. Just, you know, we're two weeks out. That, you know, there was, there was we're waiting this long to decide that or to, to announce it. I thought that was a bit, a bit odd because, Obviously, that would have been a way, you know, it, it was going to be televised. It's a way to hype the event. There's what's going on on Wednesday at 3 in the afternoon. Uh, it, it just would have been, you know, there would have been no competition for it. So it's it's kind of odd that they made that decision. But, you know, I think bigger from a golf standpoint is, you know, they announced, and I think we all saw this coming, uh, they're going to have a 2 T start, uh, you know, morning and afternoon wave, sort of like a regular tour event which is not how the Masters does it. They usually tee everybody off a one and three something. They start first thing in the morning and they go all day. Uh, but, of course, we don't have all day anymore. You know, uh, November 1st, the, the, uh, the, the, the clocks change again, so we lose daylight. Uh, and, and plus, you know, in November to April, there's less anyway. So they go, they, they're losing about two hours, almost two hours a day in daylight. And, you know, it's going to be dark around 5.30, 5.45 instead of 7.15, 7.30. 
so they they uh, they had to make some adjustments. It just so happens that this year's field is bigger than normal. It's 96 players. I mean, it's uh, you know they've had many in the 90s, but last year it was 87. So when you look at it that way, that's you know that's three more groups uh, uh, this year to to add on. Had they had 87, they might have been able to go off the first tee and do it. Uh, so you know. It's, it's, there's going to be some guys playing in the Masters who are going to hit their first shot of the tournament on the 10th hole uh, and have to play amen corner early in the morning, which, um, you know, that's a, that can be a tall task depending on if it's really cold or if it's windy. or uh, So um, it's not ideal for what they're used to, but, um, you know, these are, these are the adjustments that we are having to, uh, having to make. Just so hard to imagine, not – you know, having the crowds there. But, you know, the Masters and uh, uh, Augusta and the committee can implement just about anything they want to. I suppose they could even pipe in some crowd noise around Amen Corner, Bob. <laughs> they could. I don't think they will. But, uh, um, you know, they, there might be a few more birds chirping than we're used to. There might be <laughs> something like that. Uh, but... Um, yeah, it is going to be weird. I think it's, you know, obviously, it's. I think it's going to be still be a great show on TV. Um, but you know, when you watch these highlights and you see all those people around the 18th green cheering Tiger, uh, and we're not going to have that. It's. I think. I think that part of it is going to be. There's going to be a little bit of sadness about that, and um, you know, I, I wish this would spark people to realize that. No, we're not getting anywhere with this thing if we don't make some changes. You know, Absolutely. it's the same old thing. You know, and 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 you know, we're going to go into next year with with uh, with this same situation. It's not changing. I mean, uh, you know, especially you know, the early tournaments are in Hawaii, California, which has been very restrictive. You know, you're probably not going to see fans uh, for a while, and uh, so. Uh, sort of hoping the Houston event next week gives gives us some um, ability to, to find some ways to do it, and that uh, you know once we get a little farther into the spring, they can start bringing them back. Well, speaking of ways to find how to do it, you wrote a story uh, this week. Can Tiger Woods find his missing game in time for the Masters? Uh, no, you. Uh, as you were mentioning earlier, spent some time following Tiger while you were out at Sherwood uh, last week. Um, what's the state of Tiger's game? Well, you know, it's frankly just based on the results. It's not very good. And, you know, some of it's a mystery to me. I mean, obviously there are days when he doesn't feel great, and that's, that's part of it. But I got the sense that he felt good uh, out there. You know, really felt way better than he did at the U.S. Open. But I think his back was bothering him. Hitting out of that rough was was a, was a struggle. That wasn't the case at Sherwood. I, you know, if he looked a little leaner, I thought he looked pretty good physically. It, it, it uh, it's obvious he's been been working out and trying to stay fit. But I just don't know how much he's worked on on honing his game. Uh, I followed him for nine holes in two, on a Tuesday practice run where he played the back nine with the three par fives. He played them in four under. 
He had two birdies and an eagle on the par five. Now, granted, it's a practice round. There's no pressure. He's not playing with anyone. Well, actually, he was playing with Brendan Todd. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a, uh, you know, obviously very low key. And then two days later, those same holes, he played in four over. You know, so is it is it a competitive thing? You know, is it competitive rust? I mean, I think a lot of the shots are there. I, I watched him warm up several times. Especially Friday, he looked great. Uh, he shot 66 on Friday. Played really, really nice. You know, he hit 14 greens. He was in play. Uh, but that was the aberration. You know, the other rounds, it was, you know, he shot 71 on on Saturday and, and, and lost tons of ground. You know, it was, a, it was a golf course that was playing to a par of about 69. So, uh, you know, I, it's... I don't quite get it. I thought, I think he looks pretty good physically at times, but he's not executing. And, and that goes to the point about, you know, where he even broached playing the Houston Open next week, which he's since decided not to do. I think there's a lot of good reasons not to do it. But, you know, I think it's too late now in terms of, you know, having not added tournaments. Why didn't he play the week before at Shadow Creek? Play two weeks in a row. Play Vegas play Sherwood four rounds each week good fields competition courses that he knows and then and then then you've got eight rounds under your belt a couple of weeks before the Masters instead you know he's played six rounds basically he played two at the US Open and now these four in like a five six week stretch leading into the Masters and that's way less than he would normally do you know way less than he did in 19 and 18 um, and while playing, you know, competitive rounds at courses that are nothing like Augusta isn't necessarily the answer, I think, you know, we're seeing that he's just not pulling it off in competition. The skills are still there, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. you got to bring it to the golf course when, when the ropes are up, and, and he has not been doing that, and, and I don't know if he's got enough time to get it dialed in at, uh, for, for, for Augusta. Well, um, it's hard to believe uh, that we're finally um, just uh, around the corner from, uh, from the Green Jacket uh, event. But there is another tournament this week in Bermuda. And, um, you know, this was a, a game changer, life changer for Brendan Todd uh, when he won. And, you know, there's some, uh, some top players in the field. Who are you? Who are you keeping your eye on, and who are you picking this week? Well, I know it's it's a cop out, easy way out, but I kind of like Brendan Todd, you know, because because he did win last year. He's he's one of the top players in the field, the only one from Zozo going there, um, and uh, you know he he has remained highly competitive in this past year. You know, that was a breakthrough for him, and then he won again after that. He contended again at, uh, at the RSM in that last event of the year. I mean, he had three great events, and, you know, he's kind of kept that going. And uh, so why not? Why not a repeat? And obviously that would be a great uh, boost for him going into Augusta. It's kind of a just a neat story, his turnaround. You know, he was, you know, basically thinking about quitting. He had really struggled. 
and uh, he's found something here, and uh, and good for him. I so uh, I got to believe he goes there with a lot of confidence. Well, and another guy I'm keeping my eye on uh, as he's uh, trying to break through is my new my new favorite pay- player, Will Zalatoris. Will Z. <laughs> the guy's unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, uh, he's inching ever so close to getting his special temporary membership, um, which means he could take unlimited sponsor exemptions. And I don't think he's anywhere close to having used up the seven that he needed because he's had so many top tens. He keeps working his way into, into the next tournament. Uh, and the, But the reason he wants that special membership is to assure that he finishes among the top 125 in uh, even though he would be still considered uh, not a full member if he has more than than the the 125th finisher in FedEx points he would have his card for the next season so you know he's sort of you know fighting for the ability to remain out there but also fighting to earn enough points so that the 2021-22 season he's fully exempt and He's well on his way to doing that, and uh, uh, good for him. It's a great story. I mean, you know, he doesn't have status on the tour. He's he's he's, he's actually was in, in a position to, uh, you know, he was at the top of the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, but you know, there's no entry to the PGA Tour off the Corn Ferry this year because of the situation. They basically are combining 2020 and 2021. So he was going to have to wait a long time and has very little access. So he's, he has taken advantage of playing well in some tour events, and uh, hopefully now he, uh, he, he finishes it off and makes, makes sure that he's out there for good because he's been playing great. And wouldn't be surprised if he wins one of these times. 14 top 20 finishes in his last 15 starts between the PJ Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour. So he's going to be my pick this week. Will Z, I'd love to see him break through. Bob, always appreciate your time, and uh, I think you're heading to the links, so uh, have a great round. Thanks so much. Take care.